Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason. Today with me is Bebe. Hello. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. All right. What do we have today? Well, the uh, China International Import Expo is kicking off in a couple days. China International Import Expo is taking place in Shanghai from November 5th to November 10th with exhibitions featuring the latest high-tech, global agricultural goods, cultural relics, and services from every corner of the globe. As China continues to open up its economy to the world, a half a billion middle and upper class consumers are looking for food, computers, cars, and more. Will this event give some global companies the upper hand in accessing the world's most important Important consumer market. What do you think? Well, to be honest, Jason, this is a really important, huge event. But I guess news of like international news um, have eclipsed its importance on my part of the world. But uh, now today, I'm gonna. It's gonna be my crash course all about China's sick China International Import Expo. <laughs> I know that um, last year, last year it was online, I think, right? And this year it's resumed. Not entirely. It was like half online because uh, our friend of the show, Andy Borham, went to the physical expo. It, it was open, mm. but some of the people who couldn't be in China were also online. So it was like partially online, partially in person. Although I didn't go. I, I, I have no, friends who were there. Are you going there this year? This year I will be there for the first, second, and third day. So I'll be trying no. to see some... I got got to be honest, you know, I'm going to be doing all these reports and stuff, mm. but I'm honestly really most excited to see like robots and like AI kind of stuff. And you know, I was just thinking, I was looking at pictures of it online and I was envisioning that maybe in a year or two, because this is going to be held annually. I think in a few years, if I walk into the expo, I'll be freaked out if I see like <laughs> robots walking all over the place. Honestly, I think I'll be freaked out a little, but I think it, things are going in that direction. There was the China International uh, Forum for Trade and Services here in Beijing Siftus, which I went to a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. And yes, there were robots everywhere walking around. And it was it was amazing. <laughs> there were like, you know, those dog robots that yeah, can like I, jump up and down and roll over. Yeah, I've seen those, but I think they look really scary. I have to say <laughs> they're like dark skeletons, like crawling on the ground. And that's not sound very good. I don't know exactly what they can do. Probably more than just like delivery. Um, maybe you I can, think even can do talk everything. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. They can, they can carry boxes around. They can talk to you. They can, you know, follow you around. They can talk, oh, play no, with other dogs. No. <laughs> MIT just put personalities in them using AI, and they gave each one of these several dogs in this experiment different AI personalities. And then these, you know, robots actually engage with each other and learn from each other and, like, you know, uh, express their different personalities with one another. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe that's for another show, but <laughs> today, sick China International Import Expo. So I was wondering. Mm -hmm. Who I know, you know, it would be companies, mm -hmm. right, from different countries yeah. uh, participating to show off what they have to offer mm -hmm. um, world's, uh, one of the world's largest markets. Mm -hmm. But who are the people going? Besides, you know, people like you, journalists and other people uh, advertising for this event. So I guess um, people who are... Like, who are the participants, visitors to the show? Well, there's going to obviously be 
politicians and stuff. I think Xi Jinping is giving the opening remarks, actually. Mm. But um, there are also just a lot of business persons. So, okay, I come from Italy. You come from, I don't know, Brazil. We meet there. You know, I can literally walk around and see your products, too. But, I mean, mm. there's also an enormous amount of Chinese business persons who are mm-hmm. making large purchases. And, you know, billion-dollar deals will be made at this import expo. Mm. You know, China's number one import from the United States is agricultural goods. And so uh, hmm. a lot of U.S. farmers will be showing off their goods at the show, presumably, Let's... because I'm going to go to the whole agriculture. There's a food and agricultural products section, which I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And I- I'm sure there'll be goods from all over the world competing for Chinese consumers to get them to buy their snacks and sorghum. But I'm look. I'm going to be looking out for American, you know, sourced foods. I think you made a really good point, which I didn't think of, is that I was thinking of like a structure where China was in the middle and then you know, of lines extending like a spokes in a wheel, you know, with all the other countries. Mm-hmm. But you made the point that the other countries are can also interact with each other at this event. Mm-hmm. And it's probably mm-hmm. hard to find another event like this. Isn't this like the world's mm. first import themed um, expo, I think? Well, there is a trade expo in Guangzhou that is uh, has a longer history than this one. Mm-hmm. But this one as an import expo is specifically focused on that. And I think it is the only one of its kind in the world. Right. I see it right here. The CIIE is the world's first and only national level expo themed on import. So it shows the world China's willingness to open up its market. Come here and we will buy your goods. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> right? Well, I mean, if you got to think about it like mm. this, I mean, this is the way I think about it when I think about why this is such an important event. Mm-hmm. In the United States, the population is about 350 million. Now, if, if you just discount children and el- the elderly largely, you're looking at people between the age who are really buying things in mass you're t- between the ages of 18 and I don't know, 65, 70 who are really still buying stuff. Mm. So you're talking about 250 uh, million people, and then some of those are not able to just buy whatever they want. So we're talking about maybe 152 million middle-class Americans who can just go out and go shopping, right? Mm. China is a population of 1.4 billion people, 500 million of which, half a billion people, which is three times larger than, three or four times larger than the U.S. middle class, Mm -hmm. are in the middle and upper class, which means the largest middle class in the world is right here. Mm -hmm. So if companies are want their products to be sold in mass and really do well with their exports, then coming to this expo can be critical. You know, Jason, um, when I was thinking about this, I had to kind of work around it a little bit because uh, what makes more sense is for, you know, uh, every country to hold an, an exhibition of its own products, right? Because mm-hmm. every country wants to be able to sell, right? to get into mm-hmm. other markets. So I, it took me a moment to you know, find out why China would host an import expo. You know, it's mm-hmm. like um, because we all want to sell more products mm-hmm. and we are also one of the largest, probably the largest industrial nation in the world. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of things we can produce. We want to sell. Why do we spend so much energy, you know, on an import expo? And what was your conclusion? Um, I think it's an emphasis and a devotion, a commitment to the world. Um, about China's opening up policy, you know, not not just like the old opening up policy of reforming the Chinese domestic economy, but also just uh, a new era in in the whole world where people like countries can really connect with less barriers, mm-hmm. like a stepped up version of globalization and trade opening up with like countries among each other. Mm-hmm. I think this 
is also another way of uh, showing the world how committed China is. Well, I think about 30 members of APEC, which are all, all committed to what you're talking about. Mm. I went because I was curious to Walmart, which is like, you know, the big grocery store here in China, mm -hmm. at least in northern China. I don't know about other regions. And I, I took pictures of all the products that I thought might not be made in China. And I checked them and where they were from. So I'm just going to go through really fast. This may oh. take a couple minutes. Okay, no uh, worries. These are the products that I was able to find in Walmart. And this is just like 10, 15 minutes. I didn't look at every single thing. So, okay, Morton Salt, right. McCormick Five Spice Seasoning, <laughs> uh, Skippy Peanut right. Butter. I buy them. Nutella, mm -hmm. French's Mustard, mm. Heinz Ketchup, Spam. Mm. I thought Century Tuna was from the West. It turned out... Out. I think it was from somewhere else, some uh, Southeast Asian Philippines. Uh, Barilla, which makes like sauces. Mm -hmm. Olivia, which is a kind of olive oil. Oh. Dettol, Pledge, which is a cleaning agent. Mm. Raid, which is a chemical for killing insects. <laughs> I remember. Let's see. Comfort and Tide for washing your clothes. Hot Wheels, which is owned by Mattel. Mm. Safeguard Soap, a Lux Soap, Dove Soap, L'Oreal, mm -hmm. Vidal Sassoon, uh, Schick and Gillette Razor Blades for shaving, Listerine, mm -hmm. Crest, Colgate, which are, you know, dental products, Olay, Vaseline, right. Clean and Clear, which is from Europe somewhere. I forgot which, which country. Lay's Potato Chips. Now, this is an interesting one because it's kind of two ways. Mm. Smithfield, which I thought was an American product, but it turns out it's a Chinese company that and the Smithfield is a subsidiary American company. So I'm not actually sure where the meat comes from, China or the United States. Mm -hmm. Budweiser, which is owned by Anheimer, Anheuser-Busch, Snickers, M&M's, Ferrero Rocher, Oreo cookies, and, and the list just keeps going on. I'm not, I'm not going to make a list of stuff, but all mm -hmm. these are imported. Mm -hmm. So these are imports in China that Chinese consumers can find on their, you know, everywhere, all over the country and every major city and buy. In addition, to all of the, you know, franchise restaurants, because there are 13,000 KFCs in China. So, you know, Chinese people are consuming Western products. China is a critical, mm. uh, you know, uh, consumer market for American made products and European market uh, made products as well. Not well, to mention Austra Australian wines and Australian coal and the list right. goes on and on and on. I'm surprised that you are actually surprised by all these brands, like from uh, outside <laughs> China. Well, maybe because mm. like we have been shopping uh, like Chinese, let's say Chinese mothers. OK, mm. <laughs> we are a very powerful consumer group, mm. especially when our kids are younger. Now, we um, search the whole Internet for products from all over the world, not just from you know the United States. And the brands that you mentioned, they have been so integrated in the Chinese consumer market that I think a lot of times I, I don't, we don't even think of them as foreign. Mm. They've been here for so long. Like the first time I, um, I remember it was back when I was in fifth grade. So that's a long time ago. <laughs> that <laughs> shampoo from America first broke into the Chinese market. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't believe what a bomb it was, like in a good way. Mm. Like overnight, after the night of the commercial, I think it was like, um, what's Pantene? Mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. is that the brand, right? Mm -hmm. um, they made such a beautiful commercial. Like each strand of hair was visible and smooth and bright. And the, the next day when we were at school, everybody was talking about that commercial. <laughs> and overnight, it was like the dream of every household, at least in the cities, to get a bottle of that. And the price of it was like 20 times uh, wow. more than what like normal shampoo cost. But it was fashion. 
And in the decades since, like all kinds of Western brands, not just Western, like all over the all over the world have been literally integrated into the Chinese market. Mm -hmm. It's like part of a Chinese local brand almost. Mm. So and besides, um, in the past few years, uh, 10, I think, you know, 10 years or so, when people start buying online um, and you know about the Daigo service, which means we will buy for you. Mm. Now, there are literally will be buyers, um, mostly Chinese people living in foreign countries, mm. they will buy local products that are uh, popular. Um, like Chinese moms would like want milk powder from Europe, mm -hmm. from Australia. Toilet paper from Japan. My wife was asked to buy that for a pregnant lady here in Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that sounds crazy. And toilets from Japan that can, you know, do all kinds of weird things. So we buy a lot of those online. And a lot of these um, we will buy for you services, they don't, I don't think they go through regular customs because they, they come in as just packages, private packages. Mm. But actually, it, these are business deals. So on top of the normal import numbers, volumes, like a huge side deal, side deals actually exist in the Chinese consumer market. Mm. But my point is the market is open and Chinese consumers are hungry, you know, for all kinds of wonderful progress from all over the world because of the uh, Belt and Road Forum that just took place. Mm -hmm. And um, we can hear more news about not just, you know, countries in Europe or in North America, but also from, let's say, South America, right? We, we are interested in buying mm -hmm. wonderful and maybe exotic fruit uh, from South American countries. Well, not just that. Like sorghum mm. comes from the United States and Brazil. And so the United St farmers in the United States and farmers from Brazil are competing like very heated co competition for Chinese con consumers because your hogs, your hog market consumes all of that sorghum. Yeah, well, Chinese, <laughs> Chinese, ho the Chinese hog market is hungry for sorghum, literally. And also, I think they're made into wine. Not the pigs, but, you know, sorghum. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think from what I've heard, most of the um, mm. baijiu, which is the wine that's made out of sorghum, in China is made out of Chinese sorghum. Well, and also, you know, just a few weeks ago when doing the Belt mm -hmm. and Road Forum, the president of Chile or Chile, how do you say I it? I say Jason? Chile, but it, I may be wrong or maybe different okay. in a different language. I've heard both. And, uh, the president of Chile became very popular online. The videos of him shopping all around China became viral. <laughs> he, so he visited the uh, um, uh, the Palace Museum, right? And then he was caught on, on camera, like on pr people's private cell phones, shopping around Panjiayuan. This is like a secondhand. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah uh, like a whole market for secondhand, like cultural relics. Antique goods, yeah. Antique goods, yeah. I love it. And that he was, <laughs> yeah, he was videoed um, to have purchased a little uh, mouse red book, mm. mouse little red book. And yeah, it was, um, and he, he, he became very popular online. And in the comments to all these videos, um, people were saying, now you've visited the Palace Museum. Now you've bought all these wonderful antique. Can you lower the price of cherries, please, <laughs> for Chinese consumers? Because <laughs> they're famous for their, you know, huge and bright red cherries. So Chinese consumers are ready. We are ready to embrace uh, wonderful products all over the world. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge.
Well, you know, um, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, was just visiting China. He mm. went to Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing. He met with President Xi, Xi Jinping. Right. He also met with the mayor of Shanghai. Mm. He went to the Tesla Gigafactory and, and other things, including tackling a small child accidentally during a basketball game. <laughs> I saw but, that. But, you know, he was also trying to make deals, fun. you know, but uh, mostly for California to import some Chinese goods because California mm. is eager to catch up with China in some regards with EV vehicles, solar panels, mm -hmm. wind and so forth, which China is, you know, the, the global leader in. So I think there are a lot mm. of deals to be made with the United States as well as these other countries. And as an American, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to be thrilled to be walking around looking at what, you know, goods are available from Kazakhstan also. Right. But right. I'm also really thrilled as an American going to an import expo in uh, Shanghai. To, I'm going to be looking out for American goods and everything mm. I find American, I'm going to be filming and taking pictures of. Soybeans, sorghum, <laughs> what else? Cabbages, <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? I think a lot of people make the point that uh, China is not buying Boeing jets anymore. But, you know, what's really interesting and I think important to note is that while China is starting to make domestic uh, airplanes called the C919, mm. that a lot of the parts and I'm talking like 20 pieces of the technology inside the C919 mm. are actually made in America. Mm. So even though China is developing its own, you know, um, passenger jetliners here domestically, it's still sourcing a lot of the components for those right. from the United States, from France, from England. So our economies are more interlinked than people understand, I think, That's because, really you know, you point. can look at the surface of things mm -hmm. and it looks like this, you know, oh, they're not buying Boeing anymore. Yeah, but they may be buying 20 other American companies' parts for their airplanes. Right. Like, despite the hostility that we see in the world today, I think if we just like look past that, we have to realize how integrated we have already become. And for everything that has made our lives better, like every product that has made, that has made our lives mm -hmm, better, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like literally so many countries have contributed. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of those products are made in like one place, mm -hmm. right? Even um, yeah. when it comes, especially when it comes to high end, like chips, computer chips, mm -hmm. like there's, there's this whole complicated supply chain that will boggle the minds of, you know, even people with really high IQ will take a, a long time to figure out yeah. where everything is sourced and made. So it's like impossible to stand alone in today's world. And we really need to recognize that. And I think this uh, expo is a testament to that. You know, we recognize that this is how uh, integrated the world has become, and we want to be more open. In fact, this um, phrase called uh, this concept of warranted openness. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? No. Because um, the, the whole event, CIIE, focuses on advancing high-level opening up. Mm. So high-level and opening up. And the concept, this is actually a reporter um, interviewing, maybe he's a scholar from Remy University. So he was asking him, mm -hmm. the concept of warranted openness was raised for the first time in the World Openness Report of 2022, which was released by the Hongqiao International Economic Forum. Maybe we'll get to that part a little bit later. Mm -hmm. So what is, he was asking, what is the connotation of this concept? What does opening up mean to China and to the world? Like in today's world, not like 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, this Professor Wang, he said, I think it's Professor, I'm not too sure. He said this concept of warranted openness reminds us that openness is a means with which to realize the ultimate goal of addressing people's yearning for a better life. Mm -hmm. And the key is to work hard on high quality. And China's opening up 
is a step-by-step, high-quality, all-round, and progressive process. And he also reminded us that we must be deeply aware of the impact of the, of the current world's major changes, as we have been witnessing on a daily basis. And they are unprecedented in a century, and also, you know, was complicated by the pandemic. So uh, the country as a whole and, you know, people involved, we have to adhere to a high level of opening up, which we believe will benefit both the Chinese people and the rest of the world. And I personally believe so. And also think that the more when people work together, like the more integrated we are, the less we are willing to harm each other, right? Because if you step mm-hmm. on somebody else's toe, it, it's likely that you're going to hurt yourself in the process. So I think that's, uh, yeah. I agree. Uh, Also kind of uh, works as a way to constrain what we can do. I read a book about the Belt and Road Mm -hmm. Initiative and uh, it's one of the many books I read. There was like, I read like 50 (laughs) of them. And this one had a comment by the former uh, foreign minister of Mm. Thailand. And he said exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying. He said part of the Belt and Road Initiative, and this was maybe five or six years ago, but it was, you know, it's still growing at that point. It's 152 members now is that the, the exactly the more integrated we are, the lower likelihood there is for conflict. And he actually listed a couple of historical Mm -hmm. precedents where it was impossible for conflict to arise as a consequence of the integrated uh, nature of their economy. So if we can get everyone just so de- interdependent on one another, right. then we can, maybe we can end <laughs> I mean, like, conflict. Think t- not just twice, but three times, four times before you make <laughs> aggressive action because you might get hurt in the process and you will get hurt in the process. Mm. And so I came, we came across Hongqiao International Economic Forum earlier. And this is actually um, one of the uh, platforms established by CIIE. And the key for forums such like, such like this is to allow more scholars, right, such like you, Jason, and the media, right, especially overseas opinion leaders, to come and participate in observing and reporting on the details of the CIIE, this whole event. And, um, and hopefully through this process, people can come and see and feel it yourself and they can truly understand the sincerity of China to achieve mutual benefit and win-win results with other countries and not to dominate or not to mm-hmm. gain mm-hmm. benefits through force or through sanctions or other ways of dealing with others. Yeah. And I think, um, of course, the, right. the Belt and Road Initiative has been the strongest advocate right, for the belief. It's a, a conviction that as humans, we can work out win-win cooperation. We can find ways. Can I give you a really concrete example? Because I think we're talking a lot abstractly. Okay, okay, sure. This is a, not a CIA, a China International Import Expo related CIIE, but this is related to the Belt and Road Initiative. Ghana, mm-hmm. a country in uh, the western half of Africa, they needed mm. a hydropower dam. And this uh, hydropower power plant, you know, water power plant, uh, required billions of dollars. So instead mm. of China charging them any money, China was like, okay, well, we want to help you, but we want to get something too, right? Win-win. So mm. you export cocoa to us, cocoa. this amount of cocoa every year for a set period of years, like 10 years. Mm. And uh, we will build you this multi-billion dollar hydropower dam. And so that's mm. exactly what happened. And today, Ghana is has added, you know, 20 or 30% to their electrical grid mm, from this nice. hydropower dam that it was built by China. And China, consequently, you guys have been, if you had a chocolate bar made in China, <laughs> you probably had some from Ghana. Right. And as I was talking about earlier, in interviewing Mr. Wang from Remy University, he talked about 
realizing the ultimate goal of addressing people's yearning for a better life. Now, this is a very Chinese way of speaking because you don't see words like this in, you know, the Western media. It's usually more like of grander scale words like, you know, freedom or, you know, individualism, things like that. But I think for Chinese people and a lot of people in a lot of other countries, what we really want is to live a better life, right? To have the resources, the peaceful environment, you know, to, to trade and to seek for better education and better ways of taking care of our kids and elderly. And we're going to mention the, the market, the aging demography in China and also how uh, we need right, imports in this regard. So this is the ultimate goal, you know, for a lot of Chinese people, very down to earth yearning for a better life. Well, I think that's why a lot of countries look to China, because most of the countries around the world since the 1950s and 60s, when they had their actual independence movements from their former colonial, uh, the former colonial powers in Europe, mm. that's what they want. They want development. They want hospitals, right, exactly. schools, houses. <laughs> they don't want ideology. They right. want like, but, you know, food for their children. But you know, Jason, I think maybe because the developed parts of the world, they have been living such high lives for, for decades. Maybe they are pulling apart from the needs of uh, people uh, who are still striving for the basics, you know, mm. still hoping mm -hmm. that their kids can go to school uh, without, you know, with shoes and with proper nutrition mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. maybe like better infrastructure so that different parts of the country can be better connected. But China understands that because we are not too far from a time when we were living through that. And also, you know, I went on to the website of CIIE mm -hmm. and I was interested in the section called Country Exhibition. Mm -hmm. So there is uh, on the website, there is the a section for Country Exhibition mm -hmm. and there's another section for Business Exhibition. Mm -hmm. And in the Country Exhibition one, when I clicked on it, on it, there's a whole list of countries coming to participate. And it's exciting just to see this. For example, uh, Hon Honduras uh, to participate further in CIIE. They will be here, you know, in Shanghai, aiming to develop investments and tourism. Mm -hmm. So we can imagine going there to visit because this would not enter most Chinese people's minds. Come to Honduras. Right, to go visit there. Right. Like we, like, I was talking to a gentleman who was living in Nicaragua, and he said Honduras is a fantastic place to go visit. I would imagine. Um, and also, I keep thinking of exotic, like, you know, tropical fruit. <laughs> this, <I've, laughs> As you remember, um, uh, I, I want to try those humongous, what do you call those? Avocados, yes, mm. from mm. South America. So maybe one day we can find them in Chinese markets. And also China-Zimbabwe trade soaring. Now, this is another news piece under under country exhibition, and it says trade between China and Zimbabwe increased by 39.4% to 2.43 billion US dollars in the first nine months of this year, compared to the same period last year. Mm -hmm. And also China remains Mongolia's largest trading partner in the first three quarters yeah, sure. of the year. And <laughs> Mongolia is landlocked between Russia and China, so it's probably easiest to access the Chinese market. <laughs> That's true, the closest. And Tanzania, not too close, but Tanzanian companies expressed high expectations for the sixth China International Import Expo, and Kenya's trade lobby opens office in China to spur Sino-Kenyan trade ties, and also all, like, all other BRI countries continue to facilitate trade investment, financial integration, 
you know, this is exciting, Jason. Because Gavin Newsom was just here, I was reading from his website. Gavin Newsom has his own website mm-hmm. and California-related websites because he's the governor. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. he reminded Americans while he was in China that actually for California itself, China is its largest trading partner. He, he said a several oh. things in regards to this. Number one, California is, if it was its own independent state, would be the fifth largest economy in the world. And he also mentioned okay. that not only is the United States largest trading partner, or it was until last year, China, but California's largest trading partner is also China. Mm. So a lot of goods that are grown, you know, almonds, for example, that is that I didn't mention that on my list, but I should have gone and take a picture of it. Almonds are largely grown in California mm-hmm. and they are sold in China. So if you go to the, the market in uh, China, you're mm. going to be buying almonds from Southern California. I won't be so surprised. there are a lot of opportunities for American companies mm-hmm. to increase their profit margins, because I know that's important for Americans, mm. just by accessing all of these consumers who are over here looking to find things to spend their money on. Right. But I want to, can I pivot a little? Please. I want to talk about something. I had a, a guest on recently and she's a brilliant woman. Uh, her name is Zun Ahmed Khan. She'll have a PhD from Tsinghua soon mm-hmm. from Pakistan. And she was mentioning one of the things that she thinks is good for the world is helping humanize people from other places to other countries around the world. And she, that's why she's especially excited about China's new initiative, the Global Civilization Initiative, um. which essentially tries to to celebrate and understand, learn about different cultures and different uh, nations, countries around the world. Mm -hmm. And so one of the uh, spots, because this is a huge venue, by the way, I was told to wear sneakers that don't hurt my feet because you'll be walking (laughs) 30,000 steps a day. Goodness. So um, there is a intelligent industry and information center. Mm -hmm. It's in the consumer goods center. There's actually going to be a cultural relics and artworks Mm. department. So I'm going to go to this while I'm there because I can't go to everything. It's impossible Mm -hmm. in three days. In fact, I think if you went for all five days, you couldn't see everything. Mm. It's so big. But um, I want to really go there. I want to see what's available in terms of understanding one another's culture, what kind of cultural products, what kind of relics are there, what kind of antiques. I think because, you know, with all of the countries participating, it will be an eyeful, an opportunity to see all kinds of different ways that humans express themselves and their cultures from around the world. Wow. You know, that's an interesting and I have not heard of the Global Civilization Initiative until now. Yeah, it was launched last year by Xi Jinping. Uh, uh, yeah. And I think I'm reading an article about it. So proposed by Chinese President Xi Jinping, and this initiative will inject fresh and strong energy into the common development and progress of human society, mm-hmm. mm, especially you know, in a world where we're facing multiple challenges and crises. So, okay, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe we should do a show separate on that. Also, I I was wondering about it. And I'm thinking, in addition to the beauty of uh, obviously understanding one another's cultures, I think in the modern era, Mm -hmm. there's a real worry that our individual indigenous traditions are going to be disappeared in the face of corporate consumerism. So instead of Mm. knowing your local dance, knowing your local, you know, kind of way of dressing, everyone's Mm. just going to be wearing jeans going to McDonald's. So eventually it'll just be absorbed into just whatever modernity is. And I think that's Mm. a real concern, you know, that modernity is just crushing over all of these global cultures. I do sense, at least here in China, that um, the younger generation are kind of waking up to our own traditional culture. Like my generation, mm-hmm. uh, growing up in China, I, I, you know, thinking back, looking back, we grew up immersed in Western culture. Mm. It's a little bit crazy <laughs> to think about it. 
now because, you know, we grew up watching Hollywood movies, mm -hmm. right? And these, a lot of these literature classics are from the West. Mm -hmm. And the whole narrative, um, like Western narrative, so overwhelms, I guess, national ones. Mm -hmm. But the younger generation of Chinese, I think they are so much more proud of their own culture. Mm -hmm. um, I see more kids wearing like traditional Chinese dresses. Yeah. Because they, again, they've learned to appreciate the beauty of it. Yeah. And I see more Chinese, younger kids learning Chinese classical poetry mm -hmm. and uh, like coming back to Chinese culture. And another reason is because like, look what we've gotten ourselves into, mm -hmm. right? All the troubles in the world and also the problems that came along with economic modernization mm -hmm. um, of materialism, of consumerism. Yes, it was nice in a way that people are more prosperous we have more things but at the same time everyone is exhausted mm -hmm. and there is no end to the path of competition right even kids are competing so much with each other so people are rethinking is this really the best way to live mm -hmm. is this mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. humans should should live so i think there is a a need a resurgence of uh wisdom rather than just being smart mm -hmm you know, of uh, a, a wiser way of living. So I think, you know, getting to know cultures from all around the world will help us to find a, mm -hmm. a balance. There's another venue I'm very interested in visiting, and it is uh, it's in the same part, trade and services, but it's actually entertainment services. Ooh. So I want to I want to try to tell a little story sure. about SIFTIS, which was here in Beijing about a month ago. Mm. Um, when I went to the China International Forum for Trade and and services, uh, such a mouthful, Siftus, <laughs> here in Beijing, one of the really cool things were video games the size of like a warehouse. Wow. So instead of sitting down on a sofa chair and mm. having a controller in your hand and looking at a screen, they were actually whole rooms, not whole rooms, a whole warehouse sized rooms, several of them. Mm. And inside it was a video game. So you are in a 3D immersive environment where the floor, wow. the ceilings, the walls are all digital and where you walk leaves a trail behind you in the grass with the digital grass and you can jump on rocks and monsters are attacking you and you have to sidestep them and stuff wait so it's instead of the old so you would be like actually doing these things like you would be moving around rather than just using yeah. your hand so it's a really good way of exercising yeah right it's a, exactly it could be a new kind of style for kids to play like for example mario mm. but instead of sitting on the couch with a controller mm -hmm. you're running around like actively engaged in that kind of universe wow. well i'm not too sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing yet <laughs> maybe not for my <laughs> daughter yet but i think you know for you would love it <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah. yeah, it was great. There were some really cool things you could do. Go ahead, By the Pat. time Jason is done with the entertainment um, department of the event, it will be like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sounds exciting. It is. I think I'm really, I'm really excited to go to this event. I knew people that went last year and I was jealous. And so I get to go this year. I'm really, really happy. I hope they have like food stalls <laughs> in the venue. Because that would be the first thing I worry about, right? It, you said it's huge. I can imagine. I'll just go eat some sorghum in the agricultural <laughs> Dry beans or products. Oh, they'll probably hand out free products. I, oh, is there like a oh, yeah, junk just food? 
That's right. Or like a food. Well, yeah, they absolutely section. have. I was just going to switch to the agricultural component, but there's yes, there absolutely Not for is pigs, for a humans. <laughs> yeah, there's stuff for there's snacks from all over the world in the food and agricultural products section. They have well, they have beverage and alcohol and snack foods listed there. But I won't be drinking any alcohol. Well, I, I will be so interested in trying out snacks from like literally all over the world. That's the joy of traveling. When I was in Xinjiang, right, right. Well, I went to several places, but I bought them in the airport. I told this story mm. but those snacks are so addictive i have to go back to <laughs> xinjiang just to get them they're like camel milk coated candies with like a crunchy like wafer in the middle oh my gosh i'm still they're not addictive. interested though <laughs> not camel milk but other things sweetened sweetened i once searched online for so long to find like uh indian snacks because mm. i had them like I'm, my mouth is watering just talking <laughs> about this uh back in college i had um an indian friend like well she was born in the states but mm. her parents are from india and her mom would make these like Indian snacks. They were so flavorful. Like the, the flavor would just like, <laughs> like bombs exploding inside your mouth in a good way. Mm. It was so satisfying. Wow. But it wasn't available like on the market. Her mom hadn't made those. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, like, I don't know why, but I thought of it maybe because of the, all of these like eating shows, you know, like videos. Mm -hmm. So I, one time I really wanted to find these snacks and I did find them online, like on Taobao. And these bags of uh, all kinds of Indian snacks. <laughs> Once, like I bought like 10 bags. My husband was like, what's going on? And because for him, like it was just too exotic, but I had so much fun. Some of them were really spicy though. Mm. Anyhow, so maybe in the future, we'll see more of uh, snacks from all over the well, world. Another thing that's really interesting, or, you know, I think will be a highlight of this. And I think this, for a lot of people, this sounds boring, but I think it's more important than people realize. A lot of the countries, for example, around the world are working on cre creating more food security. Security. Mm -hmm. You know, the IMF and World Bank has tried to create, uh, you know, trade to facilitate feeding people, but it has not worked in the developing world because oftentimes there are trade deficits and trade deficit when you're not. Uh, food independent means starvation. So mm. a lot of countries are starting to turn on the IMF suggestion that they just rely on international imports and they're trying to have right. national food independence, which means better agriculture. And that's one of the mm -hmm. one of the things that the Belt and Road Initiative has done. If you look around on, on maps of the world is gone out and created agricultural demonstration uh, zones in different developing countries to share agricultural techniques and learn from other countries so that we can all enhance our yields and enhance our ability mm. to create, you know, food independence. So one of the uh, functions here, this is in a special zone called NH, and it is the Innovation Incubation Special Section is a food and agricultural products field. But that's not just mm. sorghum. It's th products like tractors or drones that can, you know, mm. uh, water your crops or dust your fields with various, you know, uh, fertilizers mm -hmm. and things like that. Because these kinds of technologies, if deployed adequately mm -hmm. and, and used well in developing countries, can actually end absolute poverty for countries around the world. Now, China has already ended absolute poverty here mm -hmm. a few years ago, but this is still a global problem that we are still facing in certain parts of the world. Right. So I'm really excited to see that kind of technology. And also you mentioned uh, trade uh, deficit. Mm -hmm. um, here's one part of the interview that I mentioned. Um, so a reporter asked Mr. Wang from Remy University, he asked, 2023, this year marks the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative. And what role has this expo played to help carry out this initiative and serve 
the development of the countries and regions participating in the Belt and Road Initiative. And he answered that trade between China mm -hmm. and the countries participating in the BRI has continued to expand over the last few years. Not surprised. But what was surprising was trade surplus between China and these countries have narrowed, which means because of the Belt and Road Initiative, mm -hmm. China has been buying more from these countries participating in the Belt and Road Initiative instead of selling more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's a good thing, right, for the countries along the way. Mm -hmm. But China is not making as much money. Yeah. And so he, he said this. Indonesia has a trade surplus with China. China actually owes Indonesia. Oh, <laughs> well. It's I'm... one of the rare instances where Indonesia is like, you like what we got. Yeah. <laughs> you like we made a lot of money from you. Yeah. So this this um has reflected China's efforts to increase imports like China means it. Mm -hmm. And also, it means it to share the dividends of the Chinese market. Mm -hmm. right? We don't want to close up and just save the market for all of our own companies. I mean, it's, it's not in China's long-term interest to do that either. Right. China wants to import goods from other countries because this actually creates mm -hmm. market growth globally. The more global growth there is, the more Chinese growth there is. So China's economy That's grows true. alongside the developing world. So it's in China's interest to see the developing world also grow because that will ultimately mean a larger global market for everyone. I think um, when, when we think about China, we have to really adopt a different mindset. China thinks in such long-term, mm -hmm. uh, like use such a long-term method of thinking about like when planning. It's not just thinking about what's going to happen mm -hmm. this year or next year, but literally like decades into the future. And it's a little hard for, for us, at least for me, mm. to think this way because like that's just not how we do things. But China, it has the patience and the ability to just do things step by step and to be very focused on its mission. You mm -hmm. know, just like it's uh, the BRI, the Belt and Road Initiative, and also China's space program, as we can witness, you know, over the de decades, how China has been achieving, like just going toward its goal step by step, not hurried because of, you know, what's happening in the rest of the world. And this is one of the, uh, another example. And I can see this, uh, uh, expo maybe 10 or 20 years down the road and uh, countries will get to know each other so much better like uh, one country from africa that maybe a lot of people in china have never heard of uh could be trading not just with china but with you know countries from south america mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if it's not because of this expo maybe they would you know never meet exactly who knows right well that's the thing about mm. this it, really i think that's the critical point you know maybe you are an exporter of some amazing product but without expos like this or smaller expos elsewhere in the world if no one knows what you're selling, they can't buy it. So by showing up here mm. and showing all these other nations and China's giant middle class, then there's an opportunity for people to learn that there is a product that may be suited to someone's needs, mm -hmm. to a nation's needs, to a company's needs, because there are people from global investment firms, promotion agencies, chambers of commerce from all over the world. And if they find out that your product exists, how much it costs, maybe they'll be buying it. Right. So all the, the entrance, I don't know what the... Uh, the right word is the participants, mm -hmm. the venues for their products at the CIIE are basically opening up a world of opportunity for their product. Each should have like a snack stall <laughs> like to attract visitors. <laughs> Seriously, the, the smell <laughs> will will help really. And also, I want to mention mm -hmm. another um, aspect of this, because inviting more companies and more products into the Chinese market will bring more competition. Mm -hmm. And that might not seem like a good thing in the short term, but I think in the long term, 
it's going to incentivize a lot of Chinese companies and Chinese uh, enterprises to work harder, mm. you know, to improve their quality of products and services, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. as Tesla. Because I mean, we know that China has um, BYD uh, has, <laughs> has had ambitious like growth, yeah. right? When it comes to uh, EV, so why do you want to bring a giant like Tesla into the market? Mm -hmm. And I remember one uh, interview. I don't know who said this, but he said it's like introducing bringing a shark into your fish pond. <laughs> In a way, it's gonna eat up a lot of the smaller fish, mm -hmm. but it's gonna make other like sharks or other bigger fishes a lot stronger. <laughs> you know, it's a way of telling the other fish or other creatures in in the pond that, hey, you got to work smarter now, right? You got to find a way. I agree with that grow. completely. There's also, I mean, and this is maybe beside the point that you're making, which is a great point. Tesla's factory in Shanghai does not just sell Tesla's to Chinese, the Chinese market it actually employs Chinese people mm. to then sell Tesla's mm -hmm. to other markets as well, because this is the, the, the big factory in Asia. So you're in, you're in South Korea, mm. you want to buy a Tesla. They're coming from Shanghai. They're not coming from California. I wanted to talk really quickly mm. about the expo center. I love architecture. I know that a lot of people don't. So I'm sorry. You're going to have to endure this a little bit. Mm. This is the venue. It's beautiful. It's yeah, like what, a, do you, what do you think it looks I like? I saw, um, what what's the name of that like that flower? Uh, the Irish what do you call like it has three petals? Oh, four leaf clover. Yeah, it looks yeah. like the four leaf clover, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's silver. exactly what I was gonna say. Instead <laughs> of a shamrock, which is a three leafed clover, they have mutant forms of it, <laughs> and that is the four leaf clover, and it looks just like that. It looks like, but it's so large that uh, the picture that I'm looking at does not do it justice. Mm. I was told that if I'm just checking out one wing per day, that because I need to wear sneakers and socks, and maybe even carry a, a pair spare pair of socks because I might be doing oh as gosh. much as thirty. <laughs> thousand steps a day walking around and this this is a five hundred thousand square meter area mm -hmm. so it's 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 a the equivalent of 13 quote big halls you know so um i was yeah. i was thinking um they should have stands or uh, booths for uh athletic shoes <laughs> yeah um, when people's you know, feet hurt from walking so much, yeah. they can try out like this comfortable brand. Right. And also I'm sure they will have some of these, um, like those electrical vehicles that just uh, like you stand on top of those. What do you call them? Oh yeah. 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 I forgot what those are called. Uh, ride them. Uh, hoverboards. Something like that. Like you can just stand on top. It'll carry yeah. you to, you know, wherever you want to go. Well, there may be actually <laughs> those because in Siftus they had those like a uh, little electric scooter things for mm. like six people or eight people at a time. They may be think something like that. But my point in talking about the architecture is not just talk about architecture, which I love. Mm. My point is that the scale and the amount of things to see and a venue of this size is unbelievable. It's like mm. the uh, Siftus we were talking about earlier times like 10. It's it's just wow. a, an absolutely, it's like, like its own city that you're going to visit that's full of products from all over the world. That's how much business is going to be transacting here. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars, even in the, if you just don't count the official deals that are like, that are going to be registered in speeches and things, they're going to be private deals going on between companies all over this all the time. It's going to, it's going to be a boom for the global economy because more trade equals a, a more e economic growth. That's how it's measured. It's measured in trade i wonder how people are going to communicate which brings can bring us to the volunteer force mm, mm. um that we want to mention uh, for like all these huge events i think volunteers 
um, have become an important, like a great help to all kinds of um, like great events like this. Mm-hmm. And to, like this year already, we've had the, um, uh, I think the Asian Games, yeah. right? In Hangzhou. Hangzhou Asian Games. I met some of the volunteers. Mm-hmm. For this event, uh, I think volunteers in Qingpu District, mm. uh, they've already, I think they, they like they had this rally uh, for this upcoming international yeah. Uh, import Expo, and more than 10,000 10, are ready to serve. That's the population of my mom's hometown. <laughs> <laughs> All coming to serve, like, one expo. Um, so imagine, yeah, as you mentioned, this is a huge place. Mm-hmm. They need people, they need guidance. Yeah. And they'll probably communicate, I suppose, in English, right? Because mm-hmm. I was wondering, how are people going to communicate? They're going to need multilingual. It, There's Spanish, French, uh, Hindi. Like yeah. you could, it's gonna, There's got to be a lot of different kind of available translators there. But these days, people, like when they travel, they use their cell phones to translate. Oh, yeah, that's true. It seems pretty easy. So I don't think that would be a huge problem. Maybe even in the tech um, section, you could pick up one of those masks because they have different companies making these masks now that you put on and as you're talking huh. you you tell your phone to link up with it through bluetooth what language you want it to come out of it huh. and you speak your language into the mask mm-hmm. and then the language of your preference comes out the front oh wow, fancy well maybe that would be one of the products being on the ex- uh, exhibit and also um it says for volunteers they will provide language interpretation so i think they're all hmm. pretty good in english and maybe other uh, languages and emergency rescue well, I think you have to be um, physically fit, right, to last for three <laughs> days. I think you're gonna come out like 10, 15 pounds lighter, Jason. I wish, according to what you said. Uh, also, traffic guidance services to guests from home and abroad, mm. and they will be smiling and they'll be very friendly. You know, they've helped to make events like huge events like this in China um, much more easy to navigate. And of course. It's in Shanghai, so it that's probably uh, the most international city in China's mainland. Mm. So, I mean, I love Beijing. Beijing's my favorite city, uh, maybe, uh, in terms of massive super cities in China. But Shanghai's the most international city. So after each day when participants are looking to go out, there are going to be plenty of fancy venues and things to do on the Bund. And With all sore of those, legs. you know, bougie, bougie Shanghai things. Well, yeah, you could, but you could take mm-hmm. a taxi, right? Or like people, I don't know, maybe rent bicycles and there will be ways right i'm, I'm sure they will be energized <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, once they see the beautiful scenery for people coming from how many countries 60 countries this year mm-hmm. probably i read it somewhere so it's going to be an exciting event and for um i don't know if like people like us just random people can just go in or do we all have to sign up i had to Not apply sure. for my uh placard you know the the lanyard I had to apply for Mm -hmm. it a month ago. So I think it's too late for regular people who are not already participants to just show up a couple days from now. So sorry, guys. If you, yeah, well, yeah. If you don't own a business or you're not part of an attache or like an investment company or a media or whatever, mm. and it's it's, it's start opening in two days from now, then probably too late. Sorry, guys. Uh, it's okay. Next year, we'll get ready a little bit, <laughs> uh, you know, in advance. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Like what you mentioned earlier, the overarching theme of this event is that China is 
ready to buy stuff. And, you know, there has been a lot said about the Chinese economy over the last year. And I think, mm. which is bizarre to me, this is really, I want to point out a couple things. Early in this year, a lot of naysayers and huge mm -hmm. uh, newspapers and magazines around the world, I don't want to say their names, but, you know, top 10, top 20 newspapers and magazines were naysaying the Chinese economy. And I, from the beginning, I want to just say, yay, Jason, was saying, what are you talking about? You're meet, reading the metrics wrong. It's nothing like that. Recently, in the last few weeks, most of these newspapers and, and major magazines are saying, yay, Chinese economy is doing much better than we expected it. Mm. I expected mm -hmm. it to do this well. You know, the IMF expected it to do this well. The IMF said China's growth for the year is going to be 5.2% GDP growth. And uh, mm -hmm. China said we, we're shooting for 5% growth, so we're going to be happy. Right now, it looks like China is on track for 5.2% GDP growth. That means that even though it's actually a smaller percentage than in previous years, mm -hmm. it's actually still the same amount of total growth, which is about one and a half trillion dollars added to the Chinese economy. Because the, because the Chinese economy is larger, mm -hmm. with a very slightly smaller percentage of total GDP growth, you're still getting the same amount of added growth right. to the Chinese economy. And so when we're talking about this middle class with these consumers who are going to be buying products from all over the world, there's no more important economy for businesses to be moving into, to be trying to be a part of, to being accessing Chinese uh, the consumers than those in China. Chinese consumers Okay, the Hilton is planning 731 new hotels mm. in China by 2026. Uh, KFC is planning uh, 6,000 new locations, including Pizza Hut, and because they own both Yum Brands and KFC. Let's see, Starbucks is adding 2,500 new Starbucks in the next two to three years. Wow. Luckin, a local indigenous Chinese company, has now 10,000 locations in China, even though a few years ago everyone said it, this, this is it for Luckin mm -hmm. when they were about 6,000 stores they just kept growing anyway mm -hmm. chinese the chinese economy is red hot white hot and if you are a company and you're trying to find new consumers this is where you should be finding them. and also i want to mention that you can't really look at an economy in an isolated state right if you think 5.2 is not good enough compare this to the numbers from other countries because of the global economic mm -hmm. you know downturn to be able to achieve 5.2 it's already amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, no country can keep growing at like 10%, 8% forever, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. four decades on, it's still giving out this number. This is absolutely amazing. Yeah, the United States is about 2%. So China's economy is growing at more than two, twice as, as fast. If, if that number is even accurate. Right. And as you mentioned, like I live... Uh, at the periphery of Beijing. And just in the recent few months, I see uh, another shopping area mm. that opened. I was so excited. Um, there's like a Luckin coffee. There's a Starbucks coffee. Wow, baby's getting And there's getting, like a new theater. Out. <laughs> I know, I'm getting trendy now. Seriously, because when I first moved here, I was like, what is this place? <laughs> there's not even like a single coffee house around here. And but now a few years later, it's literally and once they are here, people are going there. You know, once we have this available, people will start spending. Mm. You know, I'm as optimistic, too. If you're listening to this program and you are not in China, we really want to hear from you. What kind of products would you like Chinese consumers to try? Mm. Please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. And we would be thrilled to read your comments on this program. Thank you so much for your time, listeners. Thank you so much for your time, Bebe. Thank you and have fun at the expo, Jason. I will. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.